Hello and welcome to Feel More Buy More from System One, the marketing podcast that puts its data where its mouth is. I'm Tom Ewing, Head of Marketing at System One, and I'm joined by John Evans, former Brewdog and LucasAid CMO, who will soon be going undercover on his own Uncensored CMO podcast. Hello, John. Hello, Tom. Uh, it's just us this week. Our regular host, James McKinvan, is off at Inbound in Boston, where he's learning all about hypergrowth. So we're commemorating his absence with a podcast that's all about absence, the growing trend of big brands leaving their logos and branding out of their advertising. We all know how important distinctive assets are to brands, so why are brands like Cadbury's and Doritos trying to do without them? Let's find out. John, it's it's Doritos, isn't it, that got us interested in this? It they... is. It's really interesting, this one. I have to say, it's fascinating. Um, in fact, what we should probably do is play it for uh, play it for everyone listening here. Yeah, we'll, um, because... we'll set the scene. The following is a paid message for a chip so iconic, we don't need to name it. Because this is an ad with no logos, no jingles, no gimmicks. Just those red and blue bags with the stuff you love in it. But an ad with no logo? That's another level. So there we are. That was that was Dorito's strategy presentation. <coughs> I mean <laughs> ad. Um, that they that they released on, on video and they've done a TV version as well. You know, what what's your like seeing that as a as a marketer, as a CMO John? Yeah. What on earth do you make of it? Well, you know, the, the very first thing I thought is um I, I th- occasionally you see adverts where it's so obvious what the planning conversation must have been in the ad agency. And I just think it's never a good idea to literally tell your audience what you want them to take out of an ad. Um, it, it, it kind of struck me as a bit like sort of stimulus in a in a quoll group where you go, this ad is, is does this and is meant to do this and so on. And they've ended up making the ad that was, that was kind of like, you know, purely there to illustrate a point. So um, I think it's odd. And my main, my main thought actually watching it was, this should have been a stunt, right? This should have been an activation in-store where they took the logo off all their crisp packets in-store and saw what the impact was on advertising. I think telling people, oh, look at us, aren't we cool because we've taken our logo off? And, you know, I'm not exaggerating because actually the very first thing um, the voiceover says is, this is a paid message uh, from chips that are so iconic that we don't need to put our name on it, which yeah. strikes me as the, you know, about as arrogant a statement as you could possibly as, make. As planners like to say, your strategy is showing. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's sort of like, a, it's like a magic trick. You want the magician to kind of turn up and say, I'm going to saw a lady in half. You don't want him to say, I'm going to saw a lady in half. And if you look carefully here, here is a fourth <laughs> yes. compartment. And there's <laughs> yes, a second exactly. lady. See if you can spot her. Yeah, I mean, I think with Doritos, we'll talk about the, the Paddy Power ad in a, a yeah. little bit, which you, you were telling me kind of managed that reveal a lot better, a lot more cleverly. But Doritos, they did basically, instead of just doing a thing, instead of just taking their logos off, they've made this huge deal about taking their logos off. So it's sort of like they've told everyone what they're going to do. It's all very tell, not show. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the other thing is, why have they done it? I mean, if you read the narrative that goes alongside it, it says you know, we want to get in touch with Gen Z. Gen Z don't like brands and, and advertising per se, so we're going to make this ad. It just feels like that there's no reason or purpose to have done it. I mean, we'll come on to you know, a few more examples in a second where there's an underlying purpose behind removing the logo, which makes a lot more sense. And I think 
in today's world, people value authenticity and transparency from brands, and they can sniff out when brands are doing things for the wrong reasons. And it, it kind of strikes me a little bit as one of those, you, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. It feels, it feels a little bit condescending. It's sort of, it feels like a very, very easy way to execute on that insight of like, okay, well, Gen Z don't like, you know, oh, Gen Z don't like advertising. And sort of a logical thing to say would be, well, why not make less advertising or whatever? But no, they can't do that. They need yeah. to make advertising because they've got to get their fame, feeling, and fluency. They've got to, you know, keep their, keep their brand um, salient. So they've got to do some kind of advertising. So this sort of, well, let's do an ad and let's pretend that it's not an ad is... It, it just feels it feels a little bit sort of patronising, like you know what? Who? How? How? How dumb do you think these yeah. kids are? Do you do you do you think there's a difference between US and UK consumers here? Because I mean, as a Brit, I've got a, a, a very loud radar for irony, right? So when the voiceover goes, you know, we decided to do away with the gimmicks, right? And they took the logo off the pack, which is a gimmick. Yeah. I, I'm just there going, oh, come on, guys. You know, yeah, treat yeah, us yeah. like adults. This is ridiculous. Who right? are you kidding? I think, I mean, I think it is, you know, we, we obviously, we are two, two Brits of a certain age. And, you know, we've been around the block as far as advertising goes. We're old enough to remember when No Logo was the name of a radical book by Naomi Klein. Not Good a point. Kind of, uh, yeah. Not a sort of marketing strategy. Um, and so I think that, sort of, you know, this might seem kind of fresh and exciting or at least vaguely diverting. People do like limited edition packs. This is something else that we'll, we'll be getting onto, I think. Um, so I think that the sort of, you know, I don't think it'll harm their, their sales in the, the fact that they've kind of like given the game away. But I, I wonder if the whole Gen Z thing is a little bit of a smokescreen because I think that what's also happening here is Doritos, it's sort of a, it's sort of a signaling thing. Doritos flexing its muscle and it's saying, you know, we are the leader in the potato chip um, market, and and we're so big that we can do this. But but listen, Tom, uh, you know, here at System One, we pride ourselves in being led by the data and uh, you know, uh, bringing our, putting our data where our mouth is. So there's, there's a framework that we use here, which um, you know, I, I as a client, you know, when I was back working in LucasAid, I really loved which was kind of fame feeling and fluency that everything you know the three most important things that any communication must do are you know create fame so people talk about it generate positive feeling yeah. for the brand so tapping into our emotion rather than our rational thought and that what we feel is a better predictor of what we do than necessarily what we think or what we say which i think is really um you know from a marketing point of view such a powerful insight and then the third bit being fluency right so it's byron sharp distinctive assets yes um, and so recognizable yeah, easy I, to buy do people in their mind recognize that this ad is from your brand Let's get into the data, Tom, right? Yeah. Come, help us out here. So how did this ad do in reality? As a football commentator would put it, it's a game of two halves. Oh. <laughs> on fluency, on fluency, this ad scores extremely well, especially given that there's no brand. People recognise who it's for. They, they don't even need the, the faintly patronising voiceover. So yes, they have proved the point that they are big enough that they don't need the logo on their advertising. But as I said, it's a game of two halves. And the interesting stuff is feeling. Now, this is a two-star ad on a, a one-to-five scale. two-star, okay. Two-star, 2.6 star. Actually, in terms of all ads in the US, that's a fairly respectable score. But in terms of food and drink ads, and particularly in terms of Doritos ads, that is a subpar. 
Oh. Doritos' average score is 3.7, so over a star, wow. an entire star level above. Doritos are actually really good at making ads that make people feel good. They did a, a fantastic ad, um, which was actually came out as it, it, it won the Feel More 50, which made it the most um, did it really? emotionally effective ad of the year. This is in 2016. It was a Super Bowl ad. It was called Dogs. It's the one where three dogs dress up in a trench coat in an attempt to buy some Doritos from a supermarket. Absolutely lovely ad. Uh, brilliant use of dogs. Obviously, all American ads, or nearly all American ads, seem to have dogs in. But Doritos Dogs is a, a it's a classic ad. Great ad. Lovely little 30-second execution. Um, and five stars. And they've they've made several five stars ads. They're a they're a brand that really knows what's what when it comes to making emotional ads. So it's it's sad almost to see them drop the ball like this. That is and and for the sake of a for the sake of this kind of slightly strange strategic play, make an ad that doesn't actually move people. But also, I think I mean it, it, it's a shame, isn't it, with such a you know successful uh, back catalogue of, of ads that they should they should you know drop in that way but the other the other thing that I thought as I looked at it is what do you do next yeah. I mean I mean it, it's not a strategy it's a tactic it, it's like a stunt and it got me thinking that if you're going to remove your logo then you're much better off doing it as a tactic or as an activation in store or something like that that's going to be noticed than you are telling people through an advert, which is usually for brand building equity. You know, the reason to do an advert, you know, going back to Marketing 101, is to change how people feel and see and perceive your brand. And that's a long-term job, right? It's not a short-term thing. So it feels like they've de deployed a short-term shock tactic in a, in a long-term brand building ad, but they failed to do the thing that the ad's meant to do, which is make you feel differently about the brand. And yeah. as we've seen from the data, they, they failed to do that. So that's the bit that surprised me. Um, and I think there are far more interesting cases of where people have taken their logo off tactically and successfully kind of, you know, the, you know right. got something Absol out of the back absolutely. of it. You know. So shall we, shall we chat about a few of those? Let's before, do that, before yeah. We do, before we do, we're going to try something a little bit new on the podcast which is hit or miss. We've talked about an advert, and we're now going to give our verdict. Um, it'll be a bit easier when there's three of us, as they usually is, because <laughs> then there'll actually be a deciding a decisive vote, yeah. <laughs> thing. So, but, but, so what do we think? Doritos, hit or miss? I'm going to go, I have to say, although technically on fluency, which if you, if you say that was the objective, to show that we can take our logo off and deliver fluency, technically it's a hit, because they failed on fame, feeling, and I think strategy and the PR surrounding it, I'm going to go a square miss. Yeah, I think it's, I, I would say, a narrow miss uh, because they're Doritos and because we expect a bit more from them. Shall we talk a bit about, because we're talking about activations and stripping the logo off. Um, and I think you were quite impressed by a Paddy Power. I was. Uh, that played I, around with logos. Yeah, I was. And, and you know, uh, for people listening, um, yeah, so Paddy Power is one of the most famous UK-based. Uh, they are global, I think, but they're kind of famous in the UK. Um, and they're real challenger brand in the betting market so they've always done very shocking uh headline worthy kind of activation to get people talking about uh, the brand paddy power um and you know they're one of the most successful challenger brands um out there and, and, and a real kind of history of of being controversial um now what they did is uh, again if you're into football you all know that um 
football is paid for largely by usage rights from the t you know from the tv stations but secondarily from the sponsors that pay ridiculous amounts of money to have their logo on a shirt i mean it gets in for big clubs you're talking tens of millions even hundreds of millions over over a kind of five-year deal so the logo as it appears on a on a, on a bit of kit is is well entrenched in the kind of football um, kind of football psyche. Um, so the interesting thing that Paddy Power did is they actually um, launched a Huddersfield shirt um, with an excessively big logo. So yeah, th- this is a, you know, it was like a the biggest logo you could imagine. It was grotesque in that it covered as much of the shirt as it possibly could, and um, they, I think they intentionally created a backlash. And then what they did, which was probably the ruse all along, was go, okay, we realize that we're going to give our give the shirt back to the supporters and we're now going to remove our logo from every club that we sponsor. And I think there's, there's two or three clubs that, uh, that Paddy Power sponsor. And, and then you saw, you know, the football players running out on pitch with no logo on, which actually, when people are so familiar with seeing logos on the center of shirts, actually... It surprisingly looks a bit odd, but is a bit like seeing a kind of football kit from the 1960s. Kind yeah, of thing, you yeah. Know? and this I mean, quite surprised that point because the, the club they were doing it for, which is a club called Huddersfield Town, it's it's been in it's been going for a hundred years. Yeah. It's one of these classic old clubs that has it has a dedicated body of supporters who love the club, who love the shirt, who buy the shirt every season. And Paddy Power is saying, well, no, the shirt should be sacred. It should be something special. It shouldn't just be that any firm can come in and kind of slap their logo on it. So it's taking, it's actually much more in the spirit of the old Naomi Klein no logo. Yeah. Even though it's a brand doing it, it's, it's more sort of saying, you know, we, we think there have to be limits to where branding and where logos can get but obviously by saying oh we think there have to be limits they're also then positioning themselves as a brand so there's this kind of and double I think, I think where, where Paddy Power get it right if we go back to the fame feeling fluency framework for a second where, where I think they they do deliver in the way that Doritos didn't is um is this feeling just as you described it that Fans of football feel very, very passionately about their shirt. They'll be able to name which shirt they wore when their team won the FA Cup and who scored the goal and this sort of thing. And they'll have a collection of shirts at home and, you know, they'll take pride in their shirt and so on. So there's a lot of feeling about the shirt because the shirt represents, it's very tribal. The shirt represents who you follow and, and, and you know, it's almost like a religion to some people. So it's incredibly sensitive. And so what they've done is they've put themselves on the side of the fan very, and generated lots of feeling. But in addition, what they did and what Paddy Power always do is they, 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 they do, they support causes or they create conversation in popular culture very effectively. So their ability to be, you know, drive fame is second yeah. to none. And I think that's what's very good about this campaign is that um, it probably didn't cost them very much. They probably sponsor the football clubs anyway. So they, that, that's a sunk cost from their point of view. They, um, so all they're doing really is removing a logo, having a photo shoot and putting a press release out. So it's probably a very inexpensive way of generating a conversation in popular culture, which created positive feeling about the Paddy Power brand. So certainly for me, I think they, they tick the fame, feeling, influency bot pretty well, even though I don't think we have any statistics on this because it didn't, it's not a campaign that we can No, no, it's not, say. I mean, it, it's not, it, it's it's an it's an activational campaign. It's a short-term campaign, so it isn't the kind of thing that we generally kind of bring up on ad ratings. So we're discussing it exclusive to this podcast. Um, but I, I mean, I think that the I guess I guess just to play because I like it as well. So playing devil's advocate, I guess the issue is: are they then losing over the long term by removing the shirt, the logo from the shirt? You know, are they are they missing opportunities to kind of 
build associations and, and trigger. Well, um, this, this is the other thing, right? Because it depends on what kind of fluency they're creating. So Paddy Power have got a track record of doing controversial things, but doing them in support of the fan. In support of the punter, you know, the, the one that's voting. So they're very anti-establishment, aren't they? So this is consistent with their philosophy. And that, I think, is probably the defining difference in my head between Doritos, where what they're doing doesn't sit with any kind of philosophy the brand has. It just is a kind of, I'm a brand leader kind of arrogance. Yeah. Whereas with, with Paddy Power, it's totally consistent with what they've done in the past on other issues. So on that basis, it feels like something you'd expect them to do. And, and they're presumably, they're confident enough that they'll be able to come up with another great creative uh, yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. And, and you go, oh, that's right. Yeah. So if, if you said, for example, you said to, okay, which of the following brands would have done this stunt? I think people would have gone, well, that it, of all the betting yeah. houses of course that's a paddy yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of thing yeah. in so a way that totally Doritos I wouldn't necessarily expect to be the, the brand that breaks I mean, with I, no logo so so listen um, you came across a, a, a couple of chocolate examples as well uh, yes. of clever activations that have removed the logo didn't you Tom yeah now this is another thing that's that's been in the news um, well it's been in the marketing news I think they're kind of like starting to push it out now into stores and such and this is Cadbury Cadbury Dairy Milk um, Cadbury Dairy Milk of course absolutely iconic brand um, oh wait a minute! Hit or miss on Paddy Power? Ah, uh, well, I, I have to say I, I'm I'm a easy hit on this. It's, okay, there we go. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Unanimous Done. hit. There we are. <laughs> right. So Cadbury's, um, Cadbury's have got a, a an incredibly strong branding heritage. If any brand can be said to own a colour in the UK market, Dairy Milk and Purple yeah. is that brand. They've they've occupied that space. They're absolutely recognizable they've brought in a whole load of other brands that they used to have under so like caramel which used to be its own separate brand is now dairy milk yeah, caramel yeah. and so on and what they're doing now is they have linked up uh, with age uk to remove the the words um so the kind of the bit that actually says dairy milk from their main dairy milk bars and um so basically you now just have a, a plain purple wrapper with the uh, glass and a half of, of milk Cadbury's logo that they have. So it's still recognisably purple, recognisably Cadbury's, but it's stripped down to just those two distinctive assets. And I assume that for legal reasons, there's ingredients and stuff on the back. Um, and the reason that they've done that is that uh, a lot of elderly people in the UK are very lonely. So Cadbury's are donating their words to support the 250,000 elderly people who you know don't have anyone to talk to. So it's a, it's a very good cause, very noble cause. Um, and it's also a, another example of a brand kind of flexing its, its strength. Yes. Um, so what do you think about... I, do you know what? I, I, yeah, I'm a little, uh, slightly conflicted on this one. I, I, let me explain why. So my first reaction to it was, wow, that's really impressive. I mean, if, if, I, if I look at it just on itself, uh, sorry, if I look at it just um, on its own and, and I ignore the wider context, right? So have they managed to achieve fluency without their logo? And I have to say, that's a double tick from my point of view. So, yeah. I mean, I was actually struck when I saw the photos of it in store and I saw it quite, quite a few people kind of tweeted it and, and shared it and so on. So I saw it a few times. What struck me was how arresting the Cabri's image was without the Cadbury name like you say they own purple yeah. I mean that kind of shiny purple vibrant purple is theirs and then the glass half full image in the middle I just thought that's so striking in a way decluttering the pack improved yeah. their brand yeah. so, yeah. so I mean 
if we if we were to run the numbers, it, it, if anything, I think this enhanced their fluency in, in a bizarre sense because they really do own those things. I also, I, I really like the cause. I, I thought it was very clever. Now, admittedly, I had to look up what the cause was and I didn't get the Age UK thing straight away. It wasn't obvious from the packaging, that's what they're doing. But when I read the story around it, I thought, we've removed the words, you know, to support those that, you know, can't, uh, can't read for themselves. And I thought, do you know what? There's, there's a lot of causes that I think are underrepresented at the moment, and that's probably one. And I think, well, fair play to Cadbury for getting behind a good cause. So it did make me feel good. So I have to say, you know, if I look at it through our lens of fame, feeling, fluency, I would go uh, a reasonable tick on fame. Although I don't, I have to say, it might be one of those where the marketing press, yeah. and obviously I'm overexposed to the marketing press by virtue of who I follow and that sort of thing. So there's been a relatively lot of noise in the marketing press. It's a bit like Brewdog as well. Brewdog, a lot of noise in the marketing press may not spill over to consumer press every time. So I'd love to know what people really think. So I'd love to get people's genuine reaction to do they get it? Are they talking about it? And so on. So it'd be fascinating. The feeling I thought was very, very good um, and fluency was, was, was superb. However, the reason I'm slightly conflicted is, and this takes me back a little bit to my experience on LucasAid. So if you excuse the detour very slightly on this one. Um, so we reformulated LucasAid and reduced the sugar levels a couple of years ago, caused a huge backlash. I mean, I won't go into the reasons why, but but anyway, there's, there's some good reasons. Uh, people felt like we were taking away their their LucasAid, you know, their pro- the product that they had become very, you know, very attached to, um, and we were meddling with it. So it, there was a big backlash. What was interesting then is whenever we did something good after that point, so we partnered with Lara Croft and we we, we brought out a new ad, is we, we 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 almost opened old wounds again. So what what happened is when we created fame in the future, it actually then brought back up feelings that people had about something we'd done in the past. And I think this is kind of happening a bit with this, because as I looked at the feed, what I noticed is people very quickly went, oh, hang on a second. We know that Kraft, sorry, not Kraft, sorry, we know that um, Cadbury, or Mondelez, who owns the Cadbury brand, don't pay any corporation tax in the UK. And I, I looked this up, actually, and just did a bit of research on it. If they paid their corporation tax in full, it would be £39 million. Now, you look at that amount of money compared to the amount of money Age UK are getting, and there's a big difference between what they're giving Age UK through this activation and what... not It's not a legal thing because they're, they're using legal means to, to avoid paying tax, but morally what they should be paying the UK government who, are, who would then be able to support, you know, hospices and... Um, you know, age-related charities through. And, and I think that's where this potentially falls down. Well, it's, I, think, I think as soon as you say we are doing good, we're doing good as a brand, it's brand purpose and stuff, you are, you're opening the door to that kind of critique, to that kind of, you know, well, actually, let's look at your record. But it, it's also, it sort of depends on both the, the sort of, you know, the feeling that you're generating by the, by the cause and whether it sort of feels really on brand, really authentic, very sort of heartfelt um, and like long-term and sustained commitment to a cause. But then also the salience of the kind of wrongdoing. And at the moment, corporate underpayment of tax, not entirely thanks to, well, hardly at all, thanks to, to Mondelez or, or anyone like that. You know, there's obviously bigger names that are kind of better known for this sort of thing, but they've made it terribly, terribly salient as an issue. And then at the same time, there is this sense that like, oh, okay, well, it's taking the logo off or whatever. Maybe it is a bit gimmicky. The other thing is that I think that this is a, a, 
a nice execution for Cadbury. I'm not totally sure that it's a brilliant one for Age UK. Partly because you do have to kind of like literally read the small print to work out what on earth's going on. It's it's the on the side of the boxes in supermarkets is the kind of you know blurb the rubric that oh we've taken the words off our thing because of AGK because of the people who don't talk to anything. Now I'm sure there's going to be an advertising campaign that makes this more clear that brings this kind of more you know more to life. But in terms of the actual kind of shopper experience, your system one recognises the Cadbury's bar instantly, thinks, oh, that's nice, because it is. It's a really gorgeous packaging. Um, and then picks it up. Do they actually stop and think, oh, why is this happening? It's an example of sort of brand-centric thinking, where the logic seems to be, oh, well, people will be so interested in the fact that we've taken the, the Lego off. But people see limited edition packs and stuff yeah, all the time. that's a very all good the point. Time. And so, you know, from the point of view of the, 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 the shopper, it's just like, oh, there's a dairy milk. Oh, gosh, that's nice. I'll, I'll put that in. Do you know what? You've hit on a really interesting point there. I think as I look back over my career, one of the things that I've always, always told the teams that I've worked with is your actual buyers do not think about you nearly as much as you think they think about you. And um, it's like when, when you spend two hours in qual research testing a, an ad idea, I'm like, when, when you see the ad, you've got seconds to make up your mind what you think. In reality, you don't have the benefit of two hours with someone deconstructing and explaining what you're supposed to feel. Um, you know, about it. I guess it's the Byron Sharp thing is that, you know, most most people's buyers buy you occasionally, but buy your competitors a lot more because, you know, we're all, we're all repertoire buyers and, 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 you know, and most of your buyers are like buyers. So by definition, they're spending more of their time thinking about your competitors than they are about you. And as marketeers, we forget this. And because we listen to, you know, our loyal followers on Twitter or Facebook, or whatever, we tend to over imbue that you know our consumers with a lot more knowledge and consideration of our brand than they actually do have in reality so i think that's one lesson for consumer marketing is you've got to make it simple you've got to make it very obvious what it is yeah i think so so hit or miss do you know i i, I i'm going to fudge this one a bit or in activation terms and, and and purely on does it achieve what it set out to achieve i'd give it a hit if i put my kind of CMO broader hat on should they have done it I would go miss because I think the bigger context makes this risky my my I'm I'm well, I'd also fudge it a little bit as well and I would say but I think from a system one perspective yeah it's a hit it's, it's, from a system it's two well perspective said. it's a miss so oh, I've got nicely to go done Tom nicely done because <laughs> we are system one well done but yeah there's 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 a there's a bunch of caveats but they're not the only chocolate bar to have done this are they no, um, no, they are not. And we have seen another ad. Now, this is one of these interesting things because it's an ad that we've never actually seen in the wild. In fact, we've got no evidence that it ever that existed. sounds like every BrewDog campaign, actually. <laughs> talked about but never seen. We've got no evidence that it existed in the wild. But it, what it does do is it's attained a kind of viral fame because I've seen it multiple times on kind of, you know, galleries and Pinterest pages of like great, great outdoor activations, great print ads. And it's for KitKat. Um, and there's no good cause involved or anything like that. It is simply saying uh, the Kit Kat slogan, have a break, have a Kit Kat. But it isn't saying that. What it is, is it's an unfinished poster with the words haver and haver, and then a ladder popped up because, of course, the guy putting up the poster has done as instructed. 
That is genius. And he's popped off and he's having a break, having a Kit Kat. Hopefully, listeners, you will have already seen this, but pop along to the System One website where you will see this and all the ads discussed, the thing. So that is a lovely activation. I think, you know, no question that that one's a hit. Why? I, hope it is, I hope it was real. I, well, <laughs> well, do you know, that's what I'm thinking because I hadn't seen it before you mentioned it. So on the basis of fame, I have to give it a miss. Yeah. Because I haven't heard about it. And this is another thing that I think marketeers get wrong is that they're so desperate to make a new ad, come up with a new idea, what they should do is look back at old ideas that just haven't had yeah. the airtime that they deserve. And this is a classic case where if I were the brand manager on KitKat, although I think I've seen it a million times, if, there are, if, if they do a poll and actually 99% of their audience haven't seen it, I would do that again. Because it's, what it does brilliantly is it lands their brand idea about having a break in, in a very obvious and surprising way. And... Um, so I think, the, I think other, the other great thing about it is that it's that rare thing, um, which is it's a kind of stunt activation, which also works absolutely fine just as a flat image. Yes. You get the point as a flat image, so you could use it as a display ad. You could, you could you know, if you wanted to do some brand building online, if you were scrolling down Instagram and you saw that, it would give you exactly the same kind of like, oh, that's funny, that's good, as it would if you saw it in real life, if you... But, but also, even, even more, if you took that idea of someone having a break halfway through an advert, yeah. you, could, you could apply that insight and idea to so many situations. Yeah. You, know, so you, you have a TV ad that's interrupted halfway through to tell you the weather or, or you know, whatever it happens to be. But it, it, it's as an idea where you've removed the logo but kept the idea and the, and the, in, in the fluency of the idea. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So let's head for some kind of conclusion. Removing the logo, we've... we've talked about quite a few things we've had a few hits definitely we have there's actually been, on you know, balance i think on we balance, headed I think, slightly I think we've, towards the hit than we've the liked this there hasn't been apart from you know doritos which is the thing that sparked it was the thing that we were most well that was the that was the one that ended up a miss but then we've managed to find a bunch of examples of of activation style things doing it well so maybe i think that's the key it, it's it's a clever idea as an activation as a stunt and if you can weave it into your brand narrative, either your purpose, like um, Paddy Power and Cadbury did, or through your brand idea, like KitKat did, and it makes sense, then it, then it works. For now, our, our time has run out. So we've come to the conclusion that yes, it can work, but very much, you know, best to keep it as short-term, short-term, funny, entertaining, and on-brand. There we go, <laughs> hooray. Thanks right. for listening. Okay, cheers everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. As always, you can find all of our content at systemonegroup.com. Follow us on social media at System One Research. All of the links and references from this episode will be in the show notes, which also includes a free trial to our ad ratings product. <laughs>